And we're joined in the studio now by the leader of the Green Party and the Minister for Transport, Climate, Environment and Communications, Eamon Ryan. Welcome to the programme. Thank you, Justin. You heard the voices there. Your party holds the integration portfolio in government Uh, again this weekend. We've seen those protests at plans by the government to house um, asylum seekers, international protection applicants uh, at a hotel in Ross Grey. Is it still the government's intention to proceed with with? Um, placing asylum seekers in the Racket Hall Hotel um, despite those protests? We do have to find accommodation, particularly for families, which is the main uh, need now at this time, uh, where numbers have increased in terms of relative to the number of single men coming in. But also we have an ongoing challenge. We Five years ago, we had something like 4,500 people that the state had to accommodate. Now it's closer to 100,000 and we cannot close our doors. We cannot say to the rest of the world, Ireland is full, we can't do anything to help either the people coming from Ukraine or people looking for international protection. So yes, we have to continue to uh, provide emergency accommodation. But we do need to switch. And what was said there in the closing comments is true. We will look to go to government in coming weeks and look to switch towards away from relying on these large number maybe of small and, and, and emergency facilities from the private sector towards uh, using certain number of centres that's going to be better for, for everyone in the sense that it won't be on such a needs-must basis at the last minute. And, and that will hopefully help manage what we do need to do, a really challenging situation without doubt for communities right, right across the country and in the wider world. We can and will do that. OK, so how many centres are you talking about? These are reception centres. There was a proposal for six centres to be built. I think the Minister for Justice spoke about three centres. So how many is it going to be? Some such number and, and, and it is similar to what we've already provided the likes of City West in, in Dublin it provides a large scale facility that is, in a sense improves the environment to make sure that we can do it on a more permanent long term basis where it's state facilities rather than us relying on the private sector rather than any hotels or other facilities okay. switching switching away. Mm. So that that's one element in managing this. It, 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 we will have to look at resources where there, where there are communities that have taken a large particular number. Obviously, we have to support those communities. We have a huge amount of work to do in the justice area in managing migration uh, and government will be committed. And also, one last thing I'd say we need to do, we also need to work on the communication of this. I was out canvassing yesterday and it was just interesting listening in the doors. Often still a misunderstanding of what the reality is on the ground or what the, the situation is and explaining in simple terms, Tishik's doing it today in one of the papers, what exactly is our obligations under international human rights law and how are we going to manage that? I think it's that basic understanding we need to share as well. Just on on the reception centres, and and you haven't told us how many are going to, to be constructed, have the locations been selected? Minister Gorman will come to government obviously are looking at this and have been considering this there are a number of different areas uh, but but it will take time it's not an immediate response to solution Have the locations been selected yet? Some, some have but others haven't and it's something that, that we do need to, to develop the final details to be able to go to government and to basically manage on an ongoing basis what has been a really challenging situation but the one that we can do When will they be built? In cases, it could be either like the, the likes of City West where something is already built, where the state state might look to purchase, uh, or, or else in the more medium long term, that obviously would, would be a much longer solution. And why do you think things would be any different? I mean, we've seen um, a, a huge number of protests now across the country um, at individual locations where international protection applicants are going to be housed. Um, 
do you expect that the same will happen when you when you announce the locations for the, the new integration centres? I'm sure it is. But we also have seen instances where we have been able to bring people, put people into emergency centres and accommodation and communities to work with this. This is not easy. Yes, it requires a very extensive communications plan. I believe nationally, not just in local sites, site-specific, because we do need to, I think, agree first and foremost some key issues. In a challenge which we have, which is largely arising from the fact that we are short of accommodation, firstly, we don't blockade and we don't burn. Burning down our accommodation is doing nothing to solve the problem. It, the, it, it's, it's illegal, it's criminal, but also it's a, we need a fundamental understanding that in managing this, we can't completely shut the doors and say Ireland is full. We do recognise that we have to help communities where, where, where people are coming in and we have to create a more a system which is not based on emergency response. We've had to do that in the last two years because it's been unprecedented having to find 100,000 accommodation units at no notice in really in very challenging circumstances. We've done that, but we will change towards a more long-term, okay, stable solution. You're changing. When is the minister going to bring his proposals to government? I expect that within a number of weeks. Within a number of weeks, yeah. before the end of next month. I would um, the exact timeline, but it, in that sort of time frame is what I would expect. Yes. Okay. And as part of a wider um, management of government of this, including, as I said, a wider understanding of how we explain and how we uh, and, communicate. And, and on that happening. communications, um, you, you heard criticisms from uh, opposition TDs speaking there in Ross Grey yesterday at that demonstration, um, and a call uh, Sharon said from from people in the town for somebody from government, for the minister or somebody else from government to meet with the people of Ross Grey. Will that happen? We do have a communication system and put up in place where there is a formal policy. It can't be one where it's uh, setting out, oh, there's a veto. It's not that you can't, it's not negotiation. It is consultation. And we do need, we are doing that and we will do it. Will, will, the, minister, it. will the minister meet with the people of Ross Grey? I, I don't be, ex- expect, that's not where, the minister doesn't replace the formal official system we have in place. If that was the case, he'd literally be spending his entire time going up and down the country. But we do have a team of people dedicated to consultation, to providing information and we will continue to strengthen and develop that. Why did the government uh, U-turn on plans to house male asylum seekers in Ballinrobe and in Carlow after protests took place there? I don't believe it was U-turn. I'm certain it wasn't. It was a reality that we have a significant difficulty at the moment in housing families who are, who are looking mm. for accommodation. But, There's but, been but, a significant but we, know, we know, Minister, that, that single um, males were going to be accommodated at those locations. That is a fact. And that changed. And it looks to anybody from the outside that the government bowed to pressure from communities who protested. It may may look like that, but that's not the case. This wasn't a government decision. It was an official uh, 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 decision in terms of what is the need we have at this time. And the reality is that the need changes on a week-by-week basis because we have different uh, characteristic of people who are coming in. And the key challenge we have at this moment in time is the ability to house families. We are not able to house uh, a lot of the single male uh, uh, people seeking international protection. 
Dublin. We have some 600 people where we haven't been able to provide it. We have to make sure, in my mind, that we do have, firstly, the ability if someone's in real distress for health or other reasons, regardless of their gender, but also we do have to provide accommodation for families. And that's why, where we did have accommodation available, our system said we need that for those families. And that's why they went in there. Was it a mistake to change the approach? Because hasn't the government effectively incentivised now other communities to protest when they see that protesting appears to work, that it causes, uh, at least in their eyes, the government to change its approach to providing housing for single males. I suppose my response is we haven't changed the approach. Uh, There is a change in the sense of the last number of months that we don't have the available accommodation that we'd want to be able to house everyone. That that is true. But there wasn't a change in approach in regard to either the case in, in Ballinrobe or Carlo. That was something that actually we'd, we'd a need, an immediate need to house families. And that's why they went in there. All right. You've spoken about um, misinformation online being a problem, both in terms of the immigration issue, but also in general um, as being, I think you described it as potentially a threat to democracy um, with elections happening this year. Um, Do you want there to be restrictions on what people can see online? I think we need a whole range of regulation. Uh, this has not happened overnight. I was involved in the, uh, there was an international parliamentary committee held hearings in the in the Oireachtas about five years ago, six years ago, and we could see the problem coming at us then. Uh, the uh, disinformation is not just in relation to migration. It We saw it in COVID times when people were taking very kind of anti-scientific assessment of, of the, the use of vaccines and so on. You can see it in the climate debate. You can see it in so many different areas and it's fueled by algorithms and social media networks which feed people the same opinions they already have which leads to a more polarised and increasingly defamatory and very dangerous uh, information or, or kind of series of information as to what's happening in our world. The antidote to that, yes you need regulation of the social media networks And, and sorry, but can I just ask it, regulation does that mean um, regulating or restricting what people can see? You do have to, res- you do have to maintain freedom of expression and, and freedom to get material Material, but certainly where there is the often light-threatening and very harmful content, we do have to regulate that. But can I say the main antidote, the main solution to this, in my mind, coming out of the, that international committee I was involved in, is the funding of high quality, particularly local media, broadcasting media and other journalism. Because if we're in a world where increasingly people don't know what the real truth or facts is, you do have to finance and support an alternative trusted source of information that can actually keep a certain sane debate in a country rather than it all going down a black hole of disinformation on on the internet. How should public service media be funded? There are two, op- two or three options. Uh, um, the various options were to look towards a house, either a household charge, uh, which would get over some of the disadvantages of the current licence fee system, where you know it's very hard to define whether someone, what is a television set, is the phone in front of me, not uh, not the equivalent, uh, and move towards a household charge. Or the alternative would be to fund it through exchequer funding, uh, and you'd have to be careful on that uh, uh, that you don't, you wouldn't see it as part of uh, either political interference. Or, 
or else running into real budget difficulties in future years when you've always got a conflicting imperatives between funding social welfare, okay. education. And, so and we've seen divisions uh, emerge um, or at least alternative points of view emerge in government over whether the TV licence uh, should be scrapped or not. Your, your colleague Catherine Martin I think favours direct funding for RTE. Uh, the Finance Minister uh, Michael McGrath and others have spoken out against scrapping the licence fee. What's your own view? My own view first is that we have to resolve this in in the first half of this year. Uh, it's vital, as I said, to keep maintain our dem- democratic system, trust in our in the in the public sphere and the public information. So, whichever the outcome, I first my most primary uh, imperative is that we do get a, a resolution. The current do, do, do you have a view? Current, do you have a view yourself? I, I I've expressed my views over many years and various and, and it's evolved. But but I think the first key thing is that actually we get a resolution. I would be ex- I would be happy to accept any of the one the sort of ones I've mentioned here earlier. You might have a preference one way or the other. What's, your, be, what's your preference? My my preference is that we do provide stable, continuous funding, and I will articulate that within the cabinet, uh, and we will make it make a a decision shortly. Do, do, do you think the license fee should be kept? Either system, no, I don't think the current system is working. I think we have to adopt it. But I think whether you adopt, whether you evolve the licence fee or whether you move to exterior funding, government will make that decision. I'd be comfortable with whatever the outcome of that is. But we do need to make make a decision. It's central to our to our democratic and, and system. And if it is to be a household charge, um, would you see a role for the revenue commissioners in collecting that? That's a technical issue in terms of uh, uh, how you'd how you deliver it. So I, I I wouldn't have a problem with that, obviously. But I think that first and foremost, we need to make the decision which approach we're going to take, and I'll row in and be supportive of that and deliver it then so that we do have funding, not just for the likes of RT, but also other media organisations in Ireland. I want to ask you about some transport issues. There was a report uh, out this week um, which indicated that Dublin is the second most congested city in the world. Um, Now, the the, the public sector climate action strategy, which is produced by your department, it promises to develop plans to phase out the use of parking in public sector buildings which have adequate uh, public transport levels uh, close to them. When do you expect to start removing car parking from public servants? That demand management strategy, which is updating that policy, will will come back to government within the coming weeks as well. It, it is part of a whole suite of measures. We, we we do need to radically change our transport system to reduce the amount of gridlock, but also to reduce emissions and also improve the quality of life for our people. That will involve a variety of measures. I was very pleased this week that another of, of our Bus Connects projects okay. have come through. Can, can, I, can I zone in for a second on parking for public servants? Because uh, public servants, and indeed in semi-states and in organisations like RTE, people can park their cars for free either in the city centre or very close to the city. Now, given the levels of congestion we have in Dublin, are you going to remove parking from public servants? That will be part of the solution. The other part will be this summer, a change in the city centre traffic management system to try and take out the true traffic. So a lot of traffic going through the centre of Dublin is not actually going to work or going to the shops or or, or accessing our deliveries. It's actually just true traffic. We will see a radical, in my expectation, delivery 
of a rev- change of the traffic management system, system in the centre, which in my mind is vital, not just as I said for managing traffic, but also reviving life okay. in, our, in, our, in our city centre. And on the parking issue, because I just want to focus for a moment on that, when, when would you envisage starting that process of taking away car, car parking spaces we have, from public servants? We have done a major study about how we change demand for transport and help switch to uh, uh, options that benefit everyone, public transport. That has not gone to government yet. I have to get it through government first of all. I expect that in the coming weeks. And then we would start implementing the measures. Would you envisage that happening in the next year? Yes, we need to start. And, and we need to start specifically with building the Bus Connects projects as they come through the planning system, with delivering that changes to the traffic management system. Next month, we will have the oral hearing for the metro. We need to build the metro. We need to triple the scale and size of our DART system, which we have plans to do. That too is in the planning system. We're awaiting a, a, a decision on that. And the same applies for Cork, Galway, Waterford, Limerick and every county around the country. We need a dramatic change in our transport system for the better involving a major improvement in public transport and making it safe to people to walk and cycle in our in our, in our towns and cities and country, uh, counties. And, and that is what I'm delivering in government. And if you are going to start removing uh, car parking from public servants in the next year, are you going to take away car parking spaces from TDs and staff in Leinster House we too? Should, we should lead by example, but that'll be a matter for the Oireachtas and the Oireachtas Commission. Uh, and but, that but it'll be your policy. Yes, and our, our policy is clear. We do need to make a radical shift and improve our public transport, make it safer, for, particularly focusing on road safety this year. Is the other key thing is we heard that very sad news of two people having lost their lives in the last 24 hours. There's a whole range of initiatives we may, need to make. And the benefit of tackling one is that it'll help complement the other. The more we can make the switch away from a car-dominated transport system to one, to, towards the one that has a better balance, there'll be less gridlock, less emissions and lives saved. That's what we're focusing on. And you, you mentioned those, those road uh, fatalities overnight, two people um, killed in crashes in Dublin and Kildare. Road deaths last year were at a nine year high. In the last 14 days, 10 people have been killed on, on the roads in Ireland. Um, we know that the numbers of Gardaí who were on roads policing duty fell by 47 last year. Doesn't that indicate that there is a problem with enforcement on Irish roads, that we have too few Gardaí policing the roads now? Yeah, we have to strengthen enforcement. We do that with both more guards, but also with introduction of new speed cameras, both in interurban, on the, so the likes of the, Mo, the National Road Network, but also in urban areas in to, to improve enforcement. That on its own is not going to be enough. We also will need, and we're going to change the speed limits. The default speed limits this year will reduce on the non-national, uh, non-primary roads from 100 kilometres down to 80 kilometres, and on other n- non-primary from 80 to 60, and in urban areas from 50 kilometres down to 30. The odds of surviving an impact if you're hit at those lower speeds is a fraction of what they are at the higher speeds. And that's a a key element. The third key element is for us to increase spending, which we're doing. We allocate an additional €25 million within the budget this year to improve the road. A lot of the particularly sensed or dangerous or uh, unsafe junctions and sections of road. Uh, So it's a whole variety of different measures we'll need to implement. All right. Um, Just a a bit of politics before I let you go. Um, The the family and care referendums 
will be held on the 8th of March this year. Is the wording for the referendum set in stone or is the government open to accepting amendments from other political parties or groups who are not satisfied with the wording and who want changes to it? It'll go to the Oireachtas, to the Dáil next week for committee stage. That's where that will be decided. I don't expect the wording to change. And I think this is a critical, these two referendums are critical to recognise that that our definition of family is changing, to be more inclusive, to recognise you can have a family outside marriage, single parents and a whole range of other uh, relationship we need to recognise. But secondly, we also need to modernise and value care in our in our homes, in our in our, in our society. And the sexist, out-of-date language that was there can is being replaced by one by language that in my mind firstly recognises the work of care that's done, particularly in the home, and recognise that that isn't on the basis of gender and it includes critically care for elderly for disability as well as for family or children. And what about the the Michael McDool argument if it's not broke you don't fix it? You do have to fix it. If the wording is out of date and sexist it has to change. But also I would say others were arguing that could we not just delete the section? Had we taken that option which other parties had been advocating was their main approach? We said no. We have to still recognise, particularly in my mind, the work that hundreds of thousands of parents are doing, men and women at home, is vitally important. Had we just deleted, had we just deleted the uh, uh, provision, it would have been a slap to those people who are doing critical, vital work in raising families, re- looking after elderly and, and caring for people with a disability. And to commit as a government to strive in every way we can to support that caring work. That's what a vote for yes in the referendum backs up. Green Party leader Eamon Ryan, thank you for coming in to talk to us today.